all bad things. Tragedy. Tragedies, disasters. That's bad things. Trigger warning for everything possible. What? Yeah. I'm Rachel. <laughs> and I'm David. And this is All Bad Things. <laughs> it's weird because all I can hear are crows outside right now. I know. I heard them too. And then and then that, okay. <laughs> um, follow us Insta, Twitter, Facebook at All Bad Things Pod. Email us allbadthingspod at gmail.com. Join our All Bad Things discussion group on Facebook. Yes. Um, lots of discussion going on, especially we're recording this uh, April 15th. Would be tax day. Would be. <laughs> Would be. <laughs> Not this year. Um, uh, and this is also a notorious week. Mid-April is uh, well known for a lot of tragedies having happened in mid-April. For example, uh, the Titanic happened, I believe, the 14th. Uh, Hillsboro was today. Today is the anniversary, the, as we're recording, the 31st anniversary of Hillsboro. Um, and then more crime related, but still obviously very bad things. The Oklahoma City bombings, Columbine. Oh, geez, that was Hitler's birthday. It's, I didn't it's know a pretty, that. Why yeah. do you know Hitler's birthday? Um, someone mentioned it that uh, apparently April twentieth is Hitler's birthday, and there was like a rumor that that was why they did Columbine the day they did. Whether oh, it's Jesus. true or not, who knows? But. I, I, it's, that's how, to, it's a handy way to remember Hitler's birthday. Uh, yeah, I guess. That, that sounded accusatory. I was like, why do you know Hitler's birthday? Right. <laughs> I celebrate it every yes. day. No. Um, so this episode is coming out on April 20th. So let's see. When, when did Columbine happen? 99? 99. So yep. 21 years. Someone born the day Columbine happened. happened. Is old enough to drink. Yeah. And just turned 21. In America. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That would have been a couple years ago in Canada. <laughs> there you go. Um, That's fun. Yeah, I, I vividly remember that day because oh, yeah. <clears throat> my mom was still a school teacher then, mm. and I was living in uh, Greenville. Greenville, South Carolina. Um, there's a Greenville, I think, in every state. So. <laughs> Just about, yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> Certainly here in North Carolina. Yes. Um, and my mom was coming back home from her spring break because mm. um, she's a teacher. Obviously, they mm-hmm. get spring break, too. And that was all happening, like, right before she got there to visit. Mm. And it was just like... And it, it, the thing that immediately came into my mind when this whole thing was... When that whole thing was unfolding, mm-hmm. um, my senior year uh, civics teacher... Because that's when school shootings started to happen. Yeah, it was like... When I was one, in high school. It was like the marquee it was at the time. It was mostly, like, inner city... Um, yeah, and, yeah, and poor neighborhood related like for the yeah. most part it hadn't really hit suburbia, suburbia. yet mm-hmm. and that's I, when people start taking it seriously right. of course <laughs> but I, I i vividly remember thinking like because she she'd always said she's like she's like it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when yeah. it, it happens here and i was mm-hmm. like and then you're 18 you're like yeah whatever right and then yeah whatever yeah so that sucked unfortunately yeah. well fortunately i don't really want to cover that but it's right. something it's mm-hmm. something we'll never be able to cover because it's obviously a crime. Last podcast covered it well. And I did buy, I still haven't read it, but I bought the David Cullen, I think that's the author's name, book, Columbine, that they used as their primary source okay. for it. Um, because I was 
attending an evangelical church at the time, so I heard all the stupid, rumory nonsense. She said yes. Yeah, she said yes, I believe in Jesus, and apparently all that, none of that even happened, but whatever. Who knows? Yeah. Anyway, (laughs) we talked an awful lot about that for the podcast that said (laughs) we weren't going to talk about it. Um... Tax, it's still tax season. It's going to be tax season for three more months. So there's It's going to be tax season forever. It's going to be tax season for absolute ever. Um, fortunately, though, uh, like the pressure's off at this point. There's three solid months still left with many fewer clients. Um, and I can control how many clients I have from now on. So, I mean, I always could, but I, you know. There was a lot of people at the beginning of the season, so um, it's not a it's not a true stimulus. Just so you guys know, it's an advance on a tax credit, but that's for all bad taxes, <laughs> I guess. Um, I hope you got your payment. We did. If you didn't, there is an online tool to check yours on the IRS website. Um, if they have the wrong bank account or address for you, I am so sorry. I literally have nothing no advice for you other than other than call the irs and they're not going to answer answer. so i mean try if you want that's fine (laughs) if you have like a burner phone just call the number and then just constantly leave it on you know if you have if you have a separate phone stay on hold the whole time stay on hold it might take three days but yeah the bat you know hook it up to a battery charger i guess yeah there's that yeah the cares act is an all bad thing in itself but i digress um maybe that'll be a topic someday <laughs> right. we, we, we've never done policy have we oh yeah the war on drugs yeah. well that's well i guess yeah i mean that but I'm, how I'm, you justified it it is but i'm talking about but that was many policies over sure, decades i'm like talking about like a specific policy yeah yeah i guess we haven't specifically because a policy even though crimes might get get wind up being enacted throughout it the policy in itself is not a crime that is it's true there, the, For the, most the legislation part. is purchased mm-hmm. that <laughs> is true yeah so corruption but anyway um so you, if there's any policy you guys are interested in that's covering <laughs> or want to do all bad that, policy yeah, there, there you go. go um what are you drinking tonight i am drinking my national local beer I'm drinking a sweet baby Jesus hmm, from from uh, Duclaw, Duclaw? Mm-hmm. Okay. out of Baltimore. Um, brought to us by the brave soul who delivered our Instacart delivery yes. last week. <laughs> um, uh, I hope this goes without saying, but just in case, if you do uh, takeout or delivery or whatever, um, which is obviously a good idea whenever possible because of the giving conditions to keep your distance um tip if you can financially tip extremely well right now please yes um like by extremely well i mean stupidly well like it, it's it's kind of the least we can do at this point because mm-hmm. people are literally and putting their own health at risk that's only if you can that yeah. right, do not correct, feel, correct. Do not feel guilty if you cannot. No, absolutely, absolutely. If you can't, but if you have the means, please do. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Yeah. Um. Oh, also, this came up, uh, but just a a random thing. If anyone is in an installment, I'm sorry, I'm going back to the taxes. <laughs> in an installment agreement with the IRS, um, payments are actually abated April through July fifteenth. So, in other words, you have to make monthly payments on an installment agreement. Mm-hmm. That's suspended during that period. Okay. 
Um, from what I can tell, interest will still accrue. But at the very least, you're not having to shell that cash out of pocket, which is nice. That's good. That's good. But anyway. All right. So that wasn't so bad. That was only a few minutes. <laughs> Just a few. Um, so this episode is coming out on 420, which, of course, we know is the, um, we call it like legend of the legend of 420 or whatever. It's sort of the unofficial weed holiday mm-hmm. or whatever. I've heard that it, there's all sorts of silly like rumors about I, how that number. Well, I here's what I've, I don't know if this is true. I've never mm-hmm. actually looked it up. I mean, it could very well be an urban legend, mm-hmm. but uh, I came to know 420 as being that is the police code 420 for oh. uh, marijuana possession. Okay, I did not, I had never heard that. Yeah. I heard that there were a couple of potheads in like, I want to say Colorado, but I could just be making that up, in high school or college or something, and they always met after school at 4.20 p.m. Like, that was their thing. That's way too specific for, <laughs> for stoners. Way too specific. It's it's uh, meet me here at this, you know, th- there's no way they all would have been able to coordinate that so often. No, I'm not buying that one. The police code I buy, because, I mean, there's... Is it really the... I don't know. I've oh, never okay. actually looked it up. It, I... I, yeah, who knows? Honestly, who knows? It's probably one of those things that we'll never really know the exact no. origins. But and probably plenty of people think they were the person to start it and really aren't. Yeah, who knows? Yeah, <laughs> and then you you just have to trust uh, the memory of a bunch of people on weed. So yeah. good luck. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> so um, so I was thinking, okay, well, a drug disaster. How about a drug disaster? And I thought of things like, oh, there's. Who knows how many meth labs have like exploded? I'm sure there's oh, a God, yeah, there's notorious one or something. And, and um, I thought, or we could go lighthearted with like dumb pothead stories. You know, like the cop who um, ate a weed brownie and it was then two was, cops. Oh, that's right. Like, and they called nine one one on themselves. Like yeah. No, the the one co- I've heard this several times. It's hysterical. So the cop calls nine one one, and the the audio got out too of the yes. call. Yeah, and. Uh, I'm going to, It's this isn't going to be exact, but he said something to the effect of, well, we ate some brownies and I think we're dead. <laughs> I remember, That's right. I, I think we're dead. I think we're dead. Not I remember dying, that. dying. Dead. Yes. That is so funny. It's like, dude, obviously they had never tried weed before. Right. It was like, you don't start with a brownie. And I hope, it, I, if they thought they were dead, then they obviously ate the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> and if you're a good hint, just a helpful hint, if you're talking, you're probably not dead. Probably not dead. <laughs> it's a good sign. Although, I mean, if he had never tried it before and he ate a whole brownie, he's hallucinating and all sorts just of shit's up. going on. Yeah. yeah, he doesn't know where he is, That's obviously. So funny. Can I can I chime in with a very funny sure. pot story just to, it, it just to get us kicked off? Just to get us sure. kicked off. Sure. So the first time I ever tried weed, mm. this is, I think I've told you this story. This, How old were this you? is pretty funny. I was sixteen. Okay. Um, just to delve into the history of what it was like to be 16 in 1993, mm-hmm. we were just coming off of the just say no to drugs era. That's right. And the Nancy Reagan. The whole time I was growing up, I was like, I will never try weed or drugs. Like it's bad. And those are bad people because that's what they convinced you of. Right. Which we kind of went in through, into in the war on drugs. We episodes. did. That, that culture shift changed so swiftly. Mm. And that culture shift changed the entire time I was in high school. When mm-hmm. I was a freshman in high school, drugs are bad. When I was a senior in high school, everybody's Everyone. on drugs. <laughs> and I'm not really... Yeah. 
I mean, not everybody, obviously, but right. a vast majority of people I knew had at least smoked weed here and mm-hmm. there. But um, so a friend of mine's mother um, liked to get high, and we discovered it one day. Like her stash? Yeah. And and we're all debating, like, how, like, how are we going to do this? Like, who's going to, like, how are people going to find out? <laughs> is the smell going to get on us? Like, like, what are we going to do? <laughs> the answer is yes on that. I'll tell you that much. Well, that's that's the one thing we decided. So we all stripped down to our boxers <laughs> <laughs> and, went, and went into the basement and got high. <laughs> so there's a bunch of 16-year-old boys breaking into one of your mom's stash. I did. I mean, my friend found it. I don't know where he found it. Or, and that was the other thing. Like, how do we smoke it? Like, because I didn't even I didn't even smoke cigarettes at did the time. Did someone have to roll a joint? I don't remember. I think we smoked a bowl. I'm pretty sure that's okay. how we did it. But, uh, yeah. <laughs> and your skinny white boy bodies and your little boxers. Our little skinny northern white boy bodies. Because we're very, we're very pale up there. Yes. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, but you know what? But here's, those days. here's the funniest thing. What it mm-hmm. reminded me of, because um, the first time I had a, a concussion... Oh, um, it was. Yeah. A, it had to have been a mild concussion because I remember it. I don't. You remember didn't pass it. out. No, I don't remember the second time it happened. Mm. I was knocked out. Is that the one with the puck to the head? No, no, I didn't get. Well, I probably did. I don't know. Oh. Um, but uh, the first time I got high, that's what it reminded me of. It was like it <laughs> felt like I had that. like because I, I was just in a different headspace, mm-hmm. you know. And oh well, <laughs> look what it, look what it's done for me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, think think about this. Here's something that'll bring you down to earth. Um, how many years ago did you first smoke weed? Oh, jeez. No, I'm not answering that question. <laughs> I just wanted you to think about that number. Three years away from 30 years ago. Yeah, I can't do the math on that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's all that weed. You're right. Kills your brain cells. <laughs> well, that was very cute. And uh, to be fair, this so so I was thinking about like funny pothead stories or whatever, or uh, so I just ended up Googling drug disasters, literally just drug disasters. It also I'm sure meth labs were the first thing that came up. (laughs) Well, a lot of a lot of things, too, like it couldn't be crime related too, and a lot of drug related interesting or funny stories are crime related. Oh, yeah, there's um, um, just horrific and but incredibly interesting stories about like kingpins and stuff like that but um one thing did pop up on like one of the first searches and i was like oh i remember that and i bet this will be a really interesting topic and it was okay so this my story my my stories is the friend (laughs) (laughs) i did not smoke anything did not smoke anything this, my friends, is the story of Fen-Fen. Fen-Fen. Do you not know Fen-Fen? Is that like a pill? Yeah. Oh, okay. The diet drug Fen-Fen. Yeah. Do you remember that back in the day? Not, I oh mean, I, I've I heard. I so much more of an interesting reaction from you. I've heard of it. Isn't it like a diet pill? Mm-hmm. Isn't that what it is? Mm-hmm. Okay. I, I've never been into pills. That's never been a thing for me. So I don't. Well, I don't know my pills. Good. I'm just saying no, this I'm, is a prescription medication. But I'm saying that's why I don't have like much <laughs> of a no pills. But I'm saying that's why I don't have much of a reference to it because well, it's something I've never really well, paid see, attention this is to. Something that happened when I was a kid, but I remember like the TV commercials and stuff for the class action lawsuits. 
Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't this know anything. This is an interesting story. This okay. is an interesting story. Okay. Well, I thought you I thought it was going to be because of 420. I thought it was going to be a weed story. Well, so I, frankly, there just aren't. No, there. There's there not are, many tragedies are, involving weed. And there's not many non-criminal <laughs> exactly, weed stories too. Exactly. So, um, the typically the worst thing that happens with weed is people end up getting arrested and going to jail for the rest of their lives for no good reason. Um, or for a significant amount of time. Yes, not many fatalities or other disasters surrounding weed. That's true. <laughs> it's a pretty innocuous. So smoke weed, otherwise. kids. Or <laughs> after you're 25, wait till you're 25. All right. So in the mid 1990s, a miracle diet drug known popularly as Fenfen was prescribed to millions of Americans, and it was recalled from the market in 1997 after showing a disturbing link to heart valve damage. Oh, Jesus. So we're not talking like uh, you break out in hives or something like that. We're talking, talking about you have a fucking heart damage. attack and die. Mm, possibly. So my primary sources for this were... Oh, yes, and I did the research. Very Because nice. there's a little bit of breathing room now, and I can actually research. That was... We still have a lot of great listener scripts. We will still get, we will to, get them. to them. I just really felt like... I don't know. Cracking my knuckles, getting back into it sort of a thing. So it also helped me avoid a little bit of work right now. So um, primary sources, Frontline, PBS, oh. The New York Times, The Atlantic, Doc Shop. I don't know what it is or just a website. Atlas Obscura, Wikipedia, lots from the National Institutes of Health. And then a lot of the sources I found cited this one book from 2001 called Dispensing with the Truth, The Victims, the Drug Companies, and the Dramatic Story Behind the Battle Over Fen-Fen by Alicia Mundy. Hmm. So I bet that's a very interesting book, even if it is a little dated at this point, but still. So, so, so is this kind of like, um, is, this is essentially like speed, right? Isn't that kind of... Well, we're going to get into okay. all, all right. that. We're going to get into yeah, all I'm, of I'm that. Not, I've never been down with that either. No, thanks. Speed? Speed. Yeah, yeah it's, no, it's not a terribly no. safe thing to do. Yeah. I like a gradual high. I don't like to be fucked up all at once. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Just in case anybody's wondering. <laughs> I was just wondering that. Mm. All right. So I thought it might be both very interesting and very... Oh, uh, really quick. Uh, content warning. I'm not sure I would call it a trigger warning, but a content warning. Um, if you're someone who struggles with body image, eating disorders, anything that um, talk of weight loss and diet drugs and stuff would uh, be kind of difficult for you to hear or triggering or whatever, then this will not be the episode for you. Now, we are not going to dwell on weight loss in any way, shape, or form or go into any sort of um moralizing on that or anything like that um but that's just to let you know what this is going to be about so i thought it would be really interesting to cover a very very short history so in our history corner um with the use of drugs to induce weight loss so how did taking drugs to lose weight start sort of um and initially, I thought I was going to do some, like, profound deep dive into body image obsession in Western culture, but that's not only incredibly depressing, <laughs> but horrifically long and complicated. I will say, I'm reading a really great book right now by Lindy West called Shrill Notes from a Loud Woman. The Hulu show Shrill 
is based on her memoir. Oh, okay. And it's it's very funny and very good, very well done. And she used to write for Jezebel. That's how I, I used to read Jezebel, and that's how I um sure you did. heard of Lindy. Yeah, yeah. and then I you know stopped. what you know when I stopped after the twenty sixteen election, it got I mean it was it was complicated after that. Just a little just bit. Just a wee bit. Yeah. Um there was always some complicated feelings surrounding that site, but there were some really good writers, and Lindy West was certainly one of them. Uh, she uh, talks about so the the subtitles note from a loud woman, but she talks a lot about her weight and coming to terms with her weight and self acceptance and things like that. I, I thought was really good, and Ad Bryant is really good in the show too. The show is funny. It is. It's hilarious. Yeah. It's hilarious and really important. I think. Anyway, it's it's very good. So we're going to start in the mid-18th, sorry, mid-19th century, when industrialization and relative food security began shifting perceptions about what was considered aesthetically pleasing, especially for women, to note that most of society's perceptions regarding weight have to do with women, not exclusively, but largely, and they're very different consequences at any rate. Um, what was aesthetically pleasing from a weight perspective uh, um, instead of the Rubenesque figures depicted in like uh, Renaissance paintings, a slimmer and slimmer build was deemed more desirable. Um, just think to the images of corseting yeah. in Victorian times. Yeah. Like there are some illustrations of theoretically what all that corseting does to your innards. And it's oh not God, <laughs> no, I, just, I didn't think of it that way. But Displaces yeah. internal organs essentially. But if you're so. constantly like suffocating your lower body, then oh, yeah, basically. it probably is going to have mm -hmm. some, some consequences. Yep. And during this period, extreme dieting was starting to become on trend. And we're not even going to get into the physiological oversimplifications of the idea of, oh, calor if your calories in or less than your calories out, you lose weight. Like, that's it's not as simple as that. And we're more and more starting to realize that. Uh, quick, quick PlayStation 4 corner. Okay. In, uh, in the game The Last of Us, because it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world, mm -hmm. the main character is somebody who lived before the world went to shit. The other character is a... 13 or 14 year old girl who mm -hmm. was born into that world so she doesn't know anything different right there's a scene where they're going through a record shop and she's talking about oh all these old records are sit here to like rot and die and mm -hmm. she notices a a picture of a model and she says were all girls this skinny back then and he, uh. he kind of explains to her, well, not really he's like a thing called diet and this and that yeah. and she grew up in a world where Food is scarce. So you're just trying to you don't live. Have, yeah. There's no such thing as a body image to her. Right, right. You know, it's like, I need food to survive. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was an interesting little... Yeah. yeah. And, and uh, PlayStation 4 Corner sidebar. <laughs> Thank you. And play the, play the Last of Us if you haven't. Anybody out there, <laughs> yes. people. You're getting back into that, aren't you? Well, the, the second one is was about to come out next month, and they delayed it. Oh, to when? I'm not sure. Okay. But it'll be out. And right. you won't hear, me, hear from me for a while. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> so, um, so dieting is a whole complicated issue unto itself, but fad diets quickly became a mainstay of the pop health scene even back then. In a book very unfortunately titled The Ugly Girl Papers, <laughs> author S.D. Powers said that a woman, quote, 
should eat as little as will satisfy her appetite, end quote. And it also talks about ingesting ammonia and charcoal, which, yikes, <laughs> I don't like the sound of that. I think that's a terrible idea. Please don't do that. And it was around this time... Yeah, you had a Tide Pod instead. <laughs> Kidding! <laughs> it was around this time that the concept of the so-called tapeworm diet also gained some traction, although apparently it's not really known how much of that was real and how much of it was an urban legend. Though I would guess that at least one person in the world has actually deliberately ingested a tapeworm to try and lose weight, other than Kelly in um, The Office (laughs) during the weight loss episode. (laughs) Um, Creed gave her what she thought, or she said Creed gave her a tapeworm to eat so that she could lose weight. And then they do a little short interview of uh, Creed going, that wasn't a tapeworm. (laughs) So who knows? (laughs) Um, and apparently even like this, this whole idea persists to present day. Apparently one of the Kardashians pondered doing it on one of their keeping up with whatever. I am not above trash TV, but I will admit I've never seen a keeping up with the Kardashians episode. So, uh, pills were sold claiming to contain tapeworm or tapeworm eggs, whether they actually did or not. Who knows? It's probably just a good way to get people to buy sugar pills, you know, make make a buck. But into the late tw- uh, 19th and early 20th centuries, laxatives and substances that caused vomiting, in other words, the good old early days of eating disorders, uh, were the main medications used for to induce weight loss until the late 20s and early 30s when hormones used to treat hypothyroidism started to be used to induce weight loss. So to very grossly oversimplify the complicated mechanisms of thyroid hormones, the, these medications essentially sped up the body's metabolism. That was the idea. So speed up your metabolism. We can see where this is going. Speed up. It's all about speeding up your metabolism. It's just, it's all a matter of speed. So in 1933, a substance called 2,4-dinotrophenol or DNP was put on the market. Uh, Now, nowadays, DNP is unfortunately still commercially available as a dietary supplement. And you know what else it was used for? Pesticides. Oh, God. And making explosives. Oh, that's so, fun. You know, let's just eat it. <laughs> so, yeah. So if you ever kick those diet pills, you can just make an explosive out of them. <laughs> or just... That's kind of fun. Just shove a match down your throat and see how it goes. Yeah. According to the National Institutes of Health, quote, DNP is reported to cause rapid loss of weight, but unfortunately is associated with an unacceptable high rate of significant adverse effects. The classic symptom complex associated with toxicity of phenol-based products such as DNP is a combination of hyperthermia, tachycardia, diaphoresis, and tachypnea, or rapid breathing, eventually leading to death. <laughs> um, to clarify the other things, hyperthermia is a high body temperature, tachycardia, I believe, is a rapid heart rate, diaphoresis is sweating, I think, so that's just all, <laughs> sounds like speed. <laughs> Because it was, basically. By 1938, this whole sweating, breathing, heavy, rapid heart rate, breathing heavy, rapid heart rate thing had fallen. Maybe I'm on speed right now. 
I am not. <laughs> had fallen out of favor and most DMP was voluntarily pulled from the market by the drug manufacturers with very little coaxing from the early FDA, Food and Drug Administration. And so onward and upward, up, 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 to <laughs> amphetamines. <laughs> Do you like that? I did. Up, up, uppers. <laughs> So with the gap in the market left by DNP, there was a new sheriff in town introduced in pill form in 1937, going by the brand name Benzedrine. Or Benzedrine sulfate. Ever heard of Benny's? Benzedrine does sound familiar. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is all just speed. (laughs) Literally all just speed. But it was prescribed as a bit of a cure-all from everything from narcolepsy to depression. And I'm literally going on the explain like I'm five route, <laughs> uh, courtesy of Reddit user never tricked. This is uh, sort of the idea behind him. That Meaning means. never like turn tricks on the street or just he's never been tricked. I don't know. Oh, okay. I don't know. They said they were a, a med student. I don't know. At well, any rate. School is pretty expensive. So maybe they can, maybe they're considering tricking on the street. <laughs> Who knows? I couldn't say I blame them. Um, so Amphetamines essentially increase certain neurotransmitters in the brain, primarily dopamine, norepinephrine, and serotonin. These neurotransmitters trigger the motivation and reward system in the brain. And in other words, they make you feel good. And it can also make your brain super used to feeling good, otherwise known as addiction. So uh, it's also very importantly a stimulant of the central nervous system, hence the whole idea of speed uppers, etc. An example of an amphetamine is Adderall. <laughs> In fact, I have taken Adderall to treat uh, adult-diagnosed ADHD and been given the uh, the generic as opposed to Adderall. And the generic, right on the label, it literally says amphetamine salts. <laughs> so just in case there's any... Um, curiosity of what and what Adderall actually did is it's amphetamines it is absolutely amphetamines now I'm not preaching against the use of amphetamines for certain therapeutic uh, reasons such as for example ADD or other um, conditions duly prescribed by a responsible physician but at any rate um, I will say being someone who has taken Adderall it, it did help me get shit done <laughs> for what it's worth um, Benzedrine was even supplied to U.S. and British soldiers during World War II. Oh, I'm <laughs> Let's sure. Let's keep them up and peppy. Uh, German and Japanese soldiers got methamphetamine. I was going to say they got. I know. I know. I know the Germans for sure. I guess it doesn't surprise meth. me. Yes, it doesn't surprise me that the Japanese were on meth as well. Mm-hmm. Weight loss is a side effect of amphetamines due to its effects on appetite and increased metabolism. So. Um, suppresses the appetite, increases metabolism. And you know, you know they still give that shit to soldiers today. You know they do. Well, uh, so it's interesting. They, um, they might give them a better designer drug today, but they give them something. Well, as far as amphetamines go, so especially Adderall and Ritalin, and the, I actually didn't look into Ritalin. I do not know specifically if it's an amphetamine. I know it's an ADD drug, but um, at any rate, uh, people do use... ADD for, or sorry, uh, Adderall, even if they don't have ADD for performance enhancement, like... A lot of writers use Adderall. A lot of sports people, a lot of athletes, Mm -hmm. and a lot of musicians use it. Especially, like, I I once read that it's really rampant in the orchestral music 
seen because that's uh, that's a small number of people who can make it to the top a really small number because funding for orchestral music is so low anyway that you need like every edge you can get and those musicians are fucking cutthroat competitive too so like apparently it is used a lot in well i mean orchestral musicians if you don't make it as an orchestral musician Mm -hmm. What exactly are you falling back on? You're gonna like play people's <laughs> weddings and exactly. uh, maybe some studio work and yeah, yeah, it's tough. It's and you're gonna have to gig. pay off whatever. It, it's not fucking cheap to go to those music schools. No. And I'm gonna guess uh, every. No, thank you. I lasted yeah. one semester. And I'm gonna for guess the money of it. every single person in like a, a pops band, you know, like the big band. I'm sure mm-hmm. they all have music degrees. Mm-hmm. Or, or just amazing There's probably like the rando out there like, oh, we found this homeless guy in the street that can play violin very well. And right. we brushed him up and... Anyway. Yeah. Sorry to go off on a rant. <laughs> it's okay. Again. So because of its effects on suppressing appetite and increasing metabolism, it didn't take long for Benzedrine to be increasingly used off-label for weight loss. Eventually, lookalikes, so off-brand and sometimes not always legal, uh... So lookalikes proliferated to a point where the manufacturers started suing for patent infringement. Because never step on a pharmaceutical company's patent. Oh my goodness. Um, There was a really... I I don't want to say it was a funny Quincy, but now everything on Quincy is kind of funny because it's so outdated. Because it was so topical for the time. But there was an episode of Quincy where they were talking about Quincy Emmy to be... But oh, sorry, think anybody Quincy Emmy starring Jack Klugman. <laughs> Come on, it. people. It's like the best show ever. It's like the best show 40 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> it was very cutting edge for its time, but you're right. It was like 30, 40 years ago. So, um, oh my God, it was 40 years yeah, ago. Yeah, it was in the early 80s. Yeah, yeah. You, weren't, you weren't even alive yet for no, most of that show's run. No, I don't think I was. <laughs> um, but there was a, a whole episode about lookalikes, <clears throat> and specifically that because they weren't regulated, even though they were legal, they weren't regulated. And kids who were used to getting, like, basically low doses in these lookalikes, if they actually got the real thing or a real thing got mixed up in someone's stash and then they got it from OD. somebody. Yeah. Or um, the, I think the way the whole episode started was a kid had an aneurysm. That burst because of the increase in his heart rate and everything. I can't Quincy. Yes, because like every time I think of that show, I think next, next up, nowhere I wanna get off. It's an amazing. We're gonna make show. a song one day. <laughs> uh, so as Benzedrine and its lookalikes took off, <laughs> I even wrote that in there. Like, look, took off, haha. <laughs> Dependency problems also followed. The patent expired in 1949, and now all the generics could be sold out in the open. It was estimated by the FDA that amphetamine production in the U.S. quadrupled between 1949 and 1952. That's not surprising in a at all. Three-year span, yeah. it quadrupled after the patent ran out. You have, uh, well, also at this time, we're talking about post-war America. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, post yeah. post World War II America, to yes. be specific. Wait, there's so uh, many. There's quite a few, actually. But this was the really big one because this is when you had, um, I want to say during this time, almost all the way up until about 1970, um, you at the United States, just our country alone, uh, controlled half of the world's manufacturing. Half wow. of the world. 
stuff was manufactured in the United States. Wow. So you had people working long hours, working in factories. Mm-hmm. It's Needing uh, to stay alert and awake. Yep. And it's and society has changed mm-hmm. very much so. Uh, you have obviously a lot of PTSD. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, the, the mm-hmm. fact that pharmaceuticals took off post-World War <laughs> know, II not shock, is not right? surprising at all. So in the middle of this whole uh, Cold War era, too, yep. there's like this underlying pill problem mm-hmm. starting to pop up in America. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, that, that's the, the, yeah, that doesn't surprise mm-hmm. me at all. It very much goes hand in hand. So at this point, too, uh, Benzedrine and other generic, the generic forms of it were being openly prescribed for weight loss too as well as their traditional uses like those old-fashioned well so we've been weight obsessed for a very long time in america but i mean you look back at those old like um <laughs> the weird contraptions meant to lose weight like oh yeah around your bum oh and yeah just like, those are still around those are still that? around when i was a little kid in like uh in like hotel gyms they, they still so had those funny. things that's so funny like what is it supposed to do uh, it's supposed to supposed heat to j- up fat it's supposed in your to body? jiggle you off or <laughs> I, I, I don't i don't know <laughs> ah so eventually amphetamines became to be employed in the so-called rainbow diet pill regimens these are fun little cocktails of pills and apparently they've come and gone throughout times including very modern times Taken throughout the day that included amphetamines, diuretics, laxatives, and thyroid hormones. Yay. So combining all of those things. Let's just make it one problem. Yeah. <laughs> right? What, what could go wrong? <laughs> so drug use of all kinds, recreational, pharmaceutical, etc., proliferated in the 60s. Yeah, I was going to say, we haven't even gotten into Vietnam yet. Right. As did the concern over their use and potential abuse. And in 1970, the Comprehensive Drug Abuse Prevention and Control Act, which I'm pretty sure I did you cover. covered yep. Yep, in the War on Drugs episode, resulted in the classic schedules yep. of drugs that we know today, um, which you also covered in the in that episode. So you can revisit those episodes for a little more in- information. And at the time, most amphetamines were placed on Schedule 3. Now, we do know yep. that the schedules are pretty arbitrary and no, bogus. They're, they're fucking bullshit. But, yeah. but that was most like the lowest least well one of the lower or lesser concerns i believe i believe where schedule three was had very minimal risk of death i believe mm-hmm. it was like very low percentage and dependency or something like something that. like that. i'd have to go well it was it's, super arbitrary i remember you mm-hmm. reading the definitions and i'm like what does that even mean Yeah, it doesn't mean anything doesn't mean anything uh, according to the federal government marijuana is more dangerous than lsd yeah and cocaine and at this time at least um amphetamines meth meth yes (laughs) yes and that's the thing as the 70s were on concern increased over so-called speed freaks so in other words people on meth sure on speed speed balls also became a thing then uh back then they called it uh back then it was called crank oh yes yeah it was (laughs) yes no i know it was a big uh like motorcycle motorcycle gangs used to produce it that was like one of their main I, I watched. I've done a whole history. Oh, I'm thing. sure you did. I was just thinking of another Office episode where uh, <laughs> Dwight found a half-smoked joint. Oh, the, in the joint parking, in the parking lot. lot. And Michael listed all those drugs, and it was like crank, speed, meth, uh, weed, hookah. <laughs> hookah. Because <laughs> it's Michael. <laughs> but they got that name because. Um, they used to carry it around in their crank cases on their motorcycles. Oh, okay. So that's why it was called crank. Huh, that's interesting. 
That's funny, because I would have never thought, I was like, oh, if you're cranked up or whatever. But I guess that wasn't really a thing. But yeah, okay, that, that that's an interesting origin. Um, so that resulted in amphetamines being bumped up to Schedule 2, which decreased their frequency of prescription. Um, now, also back in the late 60s, as rainbow diet pills received heavy scrutiny, or diet, rainbow diet pills received heavy scrutiny when they were linked to several deaths, eventually leasing, leading to a mass seizure of these pharmaceuticals by the FDA. So it was like, fuck this, and that shit was pulled and uh, seized. Hmm. So there. Um, so this next, I <laughs> like my little chapter titles this is called the rise of fen fen so could be an uh, album title <laughs> the rise of fen fen and so everyone realized diet pills were a terrible idea we should all be free to live our best lives free of shame and guilt over our outward appearance and we all lived happily ever after and then the 80s came where, <laughs> where, where it was all about decadence and appearance and fucking uh, <laughs> pick, yeah, on, none of pick that on the happened. fat kid none of that happens <laughs> Um, it, that, that kind of reminds me of like, um, what you described. I, so I know I couldn't watch all of Joker because oh. I was sobbing and couldn't finish it, but you, it, it kind of reminds me of a little bit like alternate, oh, and everything was great. And then you realize, no, it's not. There are several movies that employ that and it's just depressing. So anyway, in the mid 1960s, another diet pill was developed and introduced to the market starting in France. Uh, it didn't really catch on uh, because of its very temporary and limited weight loss effects, as well as the disproportionate side effects, which included drowsiness and mood alteration. And this drug was called fenfluramine, which went by the brand name Pondamin here in the U.S. Pondamin. Pondamin. I know. It's a, that doesn't even it sound is. like a, right? Like, it's, it's not even a very it good drug like, name. It sounds like, so, like a piece of equipment on a boat. Like <laughs> Pondaman, or a brand of a boat. Right? <laughs> oh, yeah, the altimeter and the pondaman. <laughs> yeah. Altimeters, I don't That's in planes. Never mind. <laughs> but still. Oh, um, there are flying boat planes. I mean, they, yeah, well, there you so, go. Yeah. So the primary way it worked was, again, all to do with neurotransmitters, and specifically it increased serotonin levels, inc- assisting in the suppression in the suppression of appetite. It was called a substituted amphetamine, which is, an, uh, I don't know, so many times in this episode I was like, Emily is going to have to explain this in her live tweeting because it's all medical stuff. But um, basically a substituted amphetamine means that it's a chemical structure based on that of an amphetamine, but with certain atomic level substitutions. I don't know. It, it works like an amphetamine, basically. It's still speed, right? Other substituted amphetamines that you may recognize are methamphetamine. <laughs> There's one. Um, the, MDMA. The fun, the fun one. MDMA or ecstasy. Which, which I have done. And bupropion or Wellbutrin, used in the treatment of depression frequently. Despite its not-so-great results, fenfluramine was approved by the FDA in 1973, about a decade after it had uh, been approved in France. Another diet drug to use in, as an appetite suppressant with a longer history was fentermine, another amphetamine. Fentermine was developed and approved back in the late 1950s. So we have fenfluramine and fentamine. No, fentermine. 
<laughs> that's it. Sorry. I wrote these drug names so many times, but I didn't like say it in my head every time. N- know your means. <laughs> know your means. Yes. In 1983, a pharmacologist working at the University of Rochester. Oh, nice. New York. Named Michael Weintraub started pondering the possibility of combining fenfluramine and fentermine. Fenfluramine and fentermine. Fenfen. And that's why fenfen is F E N P H E N because one starts oh, okay, with sure. fenfluramine starts with F E N and fentermine starts with P H E N. I was thinking uh, one of the fens in fenfen was going to be, uh, what's the one today that's killing everybody? Fen. Um... Fentanyl. That's what I thought it was. Fentanyl. Oh, okay. Yeah, Yeah, I don't know if the names are similar because of structural similarities. Yeah. But no. They they probably share some sort of compound or some, who knows. Let us know, Emily. I don't know. I'm I'm just giving her the responsibility of explaining. Yeah, because I'm not going into it either. I I don't understand it. (laughs) So Michael Weintraub was, uh, was thinking that using these two in combination might result in increased efficacy. And he postulated that the Efficacy. Quote, efficacy, end quote. This will keep somebody up for an extra six (laughs) hours. He postulated that the side effects of fenfluramine might be kind of like balanced out by fentermine. So he ran a study for four years to study this theory with this two-drug combo, treating 121 subjects, kind of small sample size, but weighing an average of 200 pounds. And he alternated giving the study participants the new drug combo and placebo pills. And what was found is that when they were on the combo, they lost weight. When they went on the placebos, they gained the weight back. So it became pretty clearish that, okay, these drugs are making people lose weight, which was kind of the whole point. So essentially it worked. It's giving them nightmares too, but oh well. (laughs) On average, the participants lost 32 pounds, which if the average weight was 200, 32 pounds is a pretty significant portion of that. It's a sixth, right, of somebody's weight, which is, uh, yeah, that is pretty significant. Unfortunately, Dr. Weintraub was a little cavalier when it came to studying the side effects of this potential new treatment. He later said, and this is a direct quote, quote, I figured, gee whiz, these drugs have been on the market 10, 12 years. Everything must be known about them. Unquote. Oh, God. Dr. Mikey Weintraub. Uh, Doc. Come on. Doc. Like, no, he's, uh, do you think he really believes that? Or that was just like his cop out for, I didn't feel like doing it. That's I, probably it. And I knew I, I knew I was sitting on a fucking gold mine. And I was just going to cash in. And if Meh. some people die, oh, well. You know what? I'm sure it's fine. Yeah. That's probably, yeah. I'm sure it's fine. Yeah, that's probably his rationalization. The the thing is, like, you're using two drugs. Okay, yeah, they've been on the market for a while. You're using them in a combination. That's a whole yeah. other, whole other ball game. I mean, he's on, he's on cocaine and methamphetamine. <laughs> like, it, it should do the same things, right? Just right? together. <laughs> or separate. Or I don't know. <laughs> I figured, gee whiz. Here, have one of these. It's called a speedball. You'll be fine. At one point, I think I Googled speedball during all of this. I think Uh, that's cocaine and heroin, if I'm not mistaken. It's what River Phoenix died from. And Philip Seymour Hoffman, part of his. Did he? Oh, I didn't know that. I just saw that in Google results. Maybe I'm just 
maybe I'm saying something that's not true. At any rate. I should, trust me, I fucking never did one of those. God, no. Yes, good. Okay. No. Please don't no, ever. Thanks. Anybody who's listening, please don't ever no. do that. Um, also, freebasing. Did you know that freebasing can blow your face off? I learned that in Quincy. Never done that either. So he shopped his findings around, like literally his study, like, hey, got a bunch of people who lost some weight. Let me find somewhere to publish this. It took him a while. Let me, uh, I would have been like, I'm moving to L.A. tomorrow. (laughs) Right? And I'm visiting the studio ahead of every studio in this. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's where I would have started. But if you're doing a study, you have to get it published. Oh, sure. That's part of the whole point. So in 1992, so this is a while. This is almost a decade after. I mean, after a decade after the start of the study, like five years after it was done, his study was finally published in the Journal of Clinical Pharmacology. Um, but it's important to know that this drug combination was not approved, approved by the sure. FDA. It was just, and and even the research was cursory. It was one study mm-hmm. um, on a, a 120 people, 121 people. That's not and a is, huge sample size. Uh, and so far, we only have just one publication of it. Yes. That's it. One publication of one study. Mm-hmm. Now, by the 19, early 1990s, Western culture was in a full-on war against fatness. <laughs> now, these were the days of, like, heroin chic. Oh, God, yeah. Kate Moss mm-hmm. and post-Jane Fonda aerobics fitness culture and shit. For the, Men kind of went through the same period, too, um, because the 80s were all about the steroid, gigantic Hulk. fucking, mm-hmm. like, Superman-looking people, to... Methed out, strung well, no, out. No, look. just, like, s- slim down, muscular, but not, oh, okay. not bulk. I guess I was thinking know? more for women's culture. It was... Because... Uh, uh, I forget if it was Kate Moss, but somebody uh, said something. A one one super skinny supermodel around that era said something to the effect of, uh, "Nothing tastes as good as being skinny." <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. And she's probably now dead. Yeah. Whoever said that. Or like physically harmed beyond. Dead inside. Or even all three close to being physically dead. Yeah. yeah, it's not healthy and it's not it's not okay to to not eat. <laughs> the human body must eat. I'm sorry, but there but there was a transition at that period yes. of time in, in men's bodies as well as okay. far as the like think um think Brad Pitt and Fight Club. Yeah, like he's that stringy. Not, but he was. Anyway, I, I, I would I would I would have killed for a body like that. You also know I really hate Brad Pitt. I, I guess I didn't know that. I I, I don't lo- I don't love him. I'm but not he's made saying great he's not good. Yeah. He was excellent in uh, Seven, and yeah, Fight Club's a good movie. That's fine. Um, really, I'm surprised you've even seen that. Excuse me, why would I not have? It's a seminal film. I, it shocks me that you've seen that movie. I didn't think you had. Yes, yeah, several okay. times. Okay. Um, but that's like the, it's dated at this point, but a little bit. But that's like the I don't. I, I would have killed for that body. I mean, like yes. I'm glad you don't have that body. I find that body a little because it's on Brad Pitt's <laughs> face. <laughs> I, I, let me put it this way: I'd definitely kill for that body now. <laughs> <laughs> 
at the time it was like I think I can come up with the courage to get there and it never came close but now that's just, that's not happening anymore no I just I just have a problem with Brad Pitt I'm not even sure why I just really don't like him okay. as a human being I think he's a very talented actor as a human being I think he's a little garbage but oh okay anyway so pen <laughs> 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 So, Dr. Weintraub's uh, little study in the Journal of Clinical Pharmacology started making its rounds in the medical community and piqued some interest. Um, and many a doctor soon began prescribing the combination of fenfluramine and fentermine off-label. So, again, this was not a combination approved by the FDA, but a doctor could use their discretion to prescribed to drugs that were approved by the FDA to the same patient. So, um, and, and what, what could go wrong? To be clear, Fenfen worked in terms of did it make people lose weight? Yes. It was effective as an appetite but suppressant. We, we don't and, know the long-term side effects of it. Well, let's keep going. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fenfen became a growing phenomenon. In February of 1995, Allure magazine uh. wrote an article on Fenfen, which was then picked up by Reader's Digest for the older crowd, I guess. I thought you were going to say uh, Allure had a picture of somebody on the cover uh, snorting a line of Fenfen. <laughs> <laughs> so this exposure to pop culture made Fenfen very popular. It was also heavily advertised and touted in weight loss clinics and other factions of the medical medical community where some physicians and psychiatrists dedicated their entire practices to fenfen cuz let's be let's be honest we're talking about a giant bottom line. In other words, this was a cash cow. People oh, wanted hell to lose yeah. weight. Oh, Here's God, a pill yeah. that can help you lose weight. Here's and and money. the whole losing weight thing like as as you've already got into, that was already that had already been a cultural thing for mm. decades upon mm-hmm. decades. And now this is the best thing we've ever seen. Right. Is for, so, yeah. Fenfen was not prescribed in a vacuum. <sighs> so, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, now another issue is that Fenfen was being prescribed largely without an end use date. Mm. Um, and that was out of the norm for diet drugs in general, which were mostly only studied and approved for short-term use. And so, between 1992 and 1997... Fenfen became America's most commonly prescribed weight loss medication taken by millions of Americans who were oblivious to the potentially damaging and possibly fatal consequences of doing so. And now we reach the fall of Fenfen. Mm. Such such a short rise. (laughs) But it was meteoric. Just like speed. Just... (laughs) And just the fallout's going to be... Uh, As a speed to cruise, cruise control. control. <laughs> <laughs> I never saw that oh, movie. Oh, it was terrible. I'm sure it was. I saw it. It was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. Sandra Bullock is a national treasure, but even she couldn't uh, save that. Just awful film. <laughs> Charlie's Angels, full throttle. <laughs> Charlie's Angels 2. <laughs> So behind the scenes at the peak of Fenfen's popularity, there was concern regarding the effects of fenfluramine specifically. So most of what we're going to talk about regarding the dangers of Fenfen actually stem from the first fen part, the fenfluramine. Okay. And less and what is, so... What is the other fen, I'm sorry? Fentermine. Fen- okay. Fenfluramine and fentermine. 
Fenfluramine and fentramine. Okay. Yes. Uh huh. The fentramine is with a pH. That's correct. Okay. Mm-hmm. So the patent of Pondemon, remember that was the um, brand name of fentfluramine. That was the brand Patented. of boat. That was what? <laughs> brand the, of boat? Yes. The Ponderman. <laughs> the Ponderman. It's Pondimin. Oh, Pondimin. P-O-N-D-I-M-I-N. Still works. It's still a weird name. But. Yeah. So the patent was held by Wyeth Pharmaceuticals, which is still around. It was then oh. Wyeth Erst Pharmaceuticals. And the patent was due to expire soon. Uh, I believe this was early mid-90s. Anyway, uh, Wyeth scrambled to get a modified version of fenfluramine on the market. So in other words, if you hold a patent that's going to expire, what you can do is slightly twist it and improve it just so that you can get another patent on a similar product. There was a law about that that just changed. Really? Well, that increased if you just do the slight tweak. Apparently, before, it was like you had an extra two or three years, and I think they bumped it to like 10. Oh, wow. Yeah, there was a big... I can't... That happened a couple months ago. That happened before our current pandemic happened, so... (laughs) But yeah, that was a. I I remember a couple people talking about that in the news, and I was like, "That's pretty shitty." Drug patents are a whole other. Oh, ball it's game. a fucking Ugh. yeah. The pharmaceuticals. Just like everything else. Uh, talk about a crime. Yeah, and and trust me, whenever they come out with this COVID nineteen vaccine, well, somebody's sitting out a billion dollars there too. Let's keep going. So the subsequent product that Wyeth developed was dexfenfluramine, because of course we need another. <laughs> and uh, dex, I'm thinking deca, so like it's 10, ten. times as strong. <laughs> no, it, no, it's not having okay. to do with strength. It's oh, not okay. having to do with strength. But um, so that was branded as Redux, which is okay. a better, better name than Pondemon, especially when talking about uh, losing weight. I just think of Redux as a director's cut from a movie. (laughs) Right. Redux had a perceived leg up on Pondemon because it didn't cause the same physiologically stimulating effects as Pondemon. So I guess it wasn't as speedy (laughs) feeling as Pondemon was. And it was... (laughs) You were going to say something. (laughs) It was put up for approval by the FDA in 1996 with one year of study behind it. Now, by this point, it was known that fenfluramine and dexfenfluramine had something very disturbing in common. They caused damage to the heart valves of some individuals taking the drug. So in mechanisms that would be better understood in following years, taking fenfluramine or dexfenfluramine was associated with abnormalities of the heart valves, valvular regurgitation, and pulmonary hypertension. So... Damage to heart valves is pretty self-explanatory, right? Like that damage to heart. We'll just leave it at that, right? That That's bad. Um, but let's get into the other two for just a second. And I literally wrote Emma. And Emily can live tweet her corrections later. <laughs> so valvular regurgitation is essentially a leaky heart valve. Yeah, that so, just doesn't sound good. No. It sounds well, about regurgitate, like Regurgitate, that's not a good word no. anyway. So, valvular. Like, <laughs> So blood's supposed to just flow one way circularly through the heart, right? Well, valvular regurgitation means that it's kind of backing Get, up the wrong way. I was just going to say, yeah. Yeah. Like and a, it has to do with the valves that are that are letting blood like a, in like just a, that one way. Essentially like a clogged toilet. Think of it that way. And somebody's got to yeah, come in with a... Yeah. Kind of, and I another guess. part of your body's got to come in with a plunger and fucking <laughs> get that out of there. But that, that can't be good for anything. All I know is uh, my mom was diagnosed 
with mitral valve prolapse when she was younger. Apparently she did not actually have it. It was a misdiagnosis, but she didn't find out for years that it was. But um, it is a potentially pretty scary thing. I know somebody else who actually had to have a valve replacement as a result. And I know that they replace like use uh, porcine valves and stuff to replace people's. You look fascinated by this whole topic. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just listening. All right. Uh, so uh, the issue with the valvular regurgitation is it can cause irregular heartbeats or even heart failure. And heart and failure are not two words you want to hear too close together. So pulmonary hypertension is a kind of high blood pressure hypertension that can affect the lungs as well as the heart, causing the blood vessels to narrow and weakening the heart muscle. Again, you don't want your heart muscle to be weakened. So no matter which way you cut it, fenfluramine and dexfenfluramine was no good for the human heart or could be no good for the human heart. Let's put it that way. However, at the time, dextrenfluramine was being put before the FDA in the fall of 1996. Why? Oh, sorry. I said 96 earlier. That was wrong. It was the fall of 1995. Okay. Uh, So when it was being put up uh, in front of the FDA in 1995, these risks weren't quite as well understood as they were based on a very short-term study. One year, remember? Though they were suspected to some degree, especially the elevated risk of pulmonary hypertension. So the committee that convened to um, give the thumbs up or thumbs down on dexfenfluramine convened. And and the committee uh, voted as to whether to approve it or not and actually rejected it. So the vote failed and it was not passed. However, Hmm. yeah. One of the committee members who supported the drug and outside influencers championed the rest of the committee to approve dexfenfluramine, taking the position that obesity was a major public health crisis that this drug did help alleviate. Therefore, hey, guys, even if there's some risk, it's better than being fat, ain't it? Yeah. Some comedian, uh, he's passed away now. Um, I can't remember his name, but damn, he was funny. So funny that I can't remember his name. Um, he did a lot of those. Um, he did a lot of the uh, the roasts. He was oh, okay, one of, the Jeff he was, Ross yes, type stuff. Yes, he was, he was one of the funniest guys on there. But anyway, like he had a joke about um, the obesity epidemic. Uh-huh. And he's just like acting himself as like a, he's an old grandfather now. He's like... He's like, yeah, Johnny, there were pork chops and pancakes everywhere, and you couldn't not eat them all. <laughs> oh, like pretending it's just that, like, like oh, it's yeah. A, it's not a, I mean, is it an epid, you know, it's, it's you that know what is, I mean? So that's a very interesting topic for a whole yeah. other podcast, because um, attitudes and uh, that that is a complicated, obesity is a complicated issue. And not for primarily health reasons. There's so much. Oh no, there's a lot that goes into it. Issue with us, and uh, um, yeah. So, but uh, that little sort of like, oh well, obesity is worse than dying of heart valve problems. Um, Uh, Argument that was placed before the FDA committee. Pretty sure one leads to the other. Lots of times, doesn't it? What that obesity it can lead to, to heart... heart problems? It depends yeah. on a number of well, factors. Sure, but... A number of factors. But at any rate, the committee voted again 
in November of 1995, and this time it passed six to five. So in other words, barely like Supreme Court edged out. Um, Greg Giraldo, by the way, that was the comedian's name. Oh, okay. That's Very all good. I've been thinking about. Like, in this <laughs> oh, thanks. So I, had, I listened to really nothing you just said. I'm sorry. Okay. So it was officially, <laughs> dextroenfluramine was officially approved on April 29th, 1996 for long-term weight loss, even though it had only gone through a one-year study, but it was released with warnings like an insert. Um, that only short-term studies had been conducted. Now, I okay. Uh, there are rumors that for the longest time, this is confirmed by two different journalists, mm-hmm. that uh, Donald Trump was on this shit for a long time. Was on Fed and Fed? Yep. I heard it on... He had... Because Joe Rogan had a doctor on his podcast. This is like two years ago. Uh-huh. And they were talking about it. And then he had a... I think he might have been talking about it with Matt Taibbi the last time he, he had on him like on. Coding or shit, or like the 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 UK strength Nyquil. Or well, that's what they have. Dayquil. There's the famous photo of the drugs in the drawer. Yeah. Yes. So that that's I'm like they're saying he was on Fenton during mm-hmm. the nineties. Oh yeah, it's possible. And like and into the two thousand, like for a long time. But why couldn't he have been the one with the heart valve damage? He probably does. Who knows? God knows. <laughs> Who knows how many times that thing's been replaced? Yeah, yeah, possibly. Yeah, maybe he maybe he does have a pig valve. Who knows? Uh, in February of nineteen ninety seven, a disturbing case of one Fenfen patient thrust the drug into the spotlight for much worse, worse reasons than it weight, than its weight loss results. A 29-year-old 29, 29 woman named Mary Lennon from Massachusetts had been prescribed Fenfen in the summer of 1996 to help her lose a few pounds. She was considered overweight but not obese and wanted to slim down a bit because her fiancé had just proposed to her and she wanted to drop a size or two to fit into a wedding dress, right? Certainly not uncommon. Not uncommon at all. So she stopped taking Fenfen after just 23 days because she started to experience shortness of breath and dizziness. Jesus. 23 days. That's like three weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So she initially felt a little better, but then her symptoms worsened. By the end of the year, she was diagnosed with primary pulmonary hypertension and eventually had to have a chest tube put in and be put on drugs to help her Jesus. heart. She spent three months in the hospital, hooked up to machines, when on February 22nd, 1997, at age 30, this otherwise healthy woman died of the damage Jesus done to her heart Christ. by taking Fenfen for just a few weeks. For three weeks? For three weeks, 23 days, yeah. At somebody who's 29, 30 years old. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Now, according to her family, the medical examiner of Massachusetts said that her death was attributed to taking Fenfen. Yeah, I wonder how he came to that conclusion. (laughs) I I say the family said because I couldn't actually find a direct record of the medical examiner having said that. Sure, but I mean, man, wow. So talk about a dramatic story, right? So Mary's story was on the front page of the Boston Herald. I mean, this was also a Massachusetts woman. This was a Boston mm-hmm. story. This is a major city, so mm-hmm. it got picked up. Um, and Fen Fen immediately came under intense scrutiny. 
Now, by this time, the drug combo was accounting for about $100 million in annual sales, which adjusted for inflation, because we're talking over 20 years ago, is about $162 million today. That sounds actually kind of low. Anyway, it's still I, I, a bit. Yeah, well, no, it's it's not it's it's no chump change, that's for sure. But but more importantly, it was being written in an estimated eighteen million prescriptions per year. Jesus Christ! In August of nineteen ninety seven, findings from the Mayo Clinic were published in the New England Journal of Medicine, showing heart valve damage in some patients taking Fenfen. As the issue was brought to the public for, the FDA began receiving multiple multiple reports from doctors reporting valvular heart disease developing in their patients taking the drug. Now, the FDA first asked that fenfluramine and dexfenfluramine be dispensed with clearer warnings as to the potential heart damage, but with pressure mounting on September 15, 1997, the FDA formally requested that Wyeth withdraw Redux and Pondamin dexfenfluramine and fenfluramine from the market, which they did at an estimated cost of about 200 to 300 million dollars. Though properly assessing the prevalence of heart damage from dexfenfluramine and fenfluramine is difficult because of other factors like who's predisposed just because of genetics, maybe what was already a, a pre-existing heart condition, age making people more susceptible to things, etc. But still, Uh, Data suggested that an estimated 30% of FenFen patients had abnormal ECG results, electrocardiogram results. In other words, it is suggested that FenFen fucked up 30% of people. 30% in a potentially major and deadly. 30% of 18 million people. No, 18 million prescriptions. Oh, prescriptions. It was, okay. It's estimated gotcha. 6 million people. Okay. That's still a that's, shit ton of people. Fucking, Jesus that's 2 Christ. million people. Yeah. Well, close to it. Yeah. But yeah. For simple math. Yeah, 2 million people. Yeah. So with an estimated 6 million Americans having taken a drug that could potentially cause fatal heart damage, it was only a matter of time before the lawsuits began. This is how I remember Fen-Fen. I remember those commercials. Like, now it's all, like, vaginal mesh and shit, right? Like, uh, wrongful death lawsuits and uh, and uh, um, medical injury lawsuits and stuff that you see, like, infomercials on. It's all about vaginal mesh would be a great name for a band. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's... I, I don't know what you mean as far as that no, one goes. No, not but, that, but... But, 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 but I know the lawsuit commercials. That's what I yeah. mean. Like... Personal injury lawyers, yeah. that's always been a thing. But, like, there's uh, class action lawsuits have always been a thing when it comes to medicine and medical devices because there's a, certainly a potential of things going wrong. And in because, that case. like, for the past couple of decades, they're just putting out pills like, oh, we did a study. Here you go. Um. Well, look at what happened. Yeah, that's with what I'm saying. They did yeah. a study. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> So the lawsuits sure did begin on both the individual and class action levels. By 1999, an estimated 11,000 patients had filed 6,500 lawsuits. By 2005, which is like eight years out, the number of suits had jumped to an estimated 50,000 individual lawsuits. Yeah. Now, some were well-founded, some were not. Other words, others were just gravy train hopping. But at any rate, the main class action lawsuit 
uh, was brought by the Association of Trial Lawyers of America against American Home Products, which is the parent company of Wyeth. On October 7th, 1999, that lawsuit was settled with American Home for American Home Farm Products. That's not it at all. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say pharmaceuticals, but it's not. With American Home Products agreeing to a $3.75 billion payout, which is about $6 billion now. But don't Jeez. feel bad for them. This is a pharmaceutical oh, I company. Know. I'm just saying the size of that. That was this. apparently making 15 billion a year at the time. So, so it's fucking it's exactly <laughs> it's, it's, it's exactly what it always is. It's uh it's cost of doing business. Yeah. Hey, if we got to kill some people and pay out a six billion dollars in lawsuits, hey, we still got another nine billion nine billion in the bank. Right. Whatever. Right. The payout to individuals varied from prescription refunds, literally just, okay, here, well, we'll pay you back for having bought the drugs in the first place, to $1.5 million potential payouts to those who had actually suffered heart valve injury. Hey, sorry about your heart. Here's some money. That'll help. Yeah. Jesus. <laughs> sorry, you're going to be hooked up to a machine for the rest of your life. But, <laughs> or on uh, meds or have uh, one do surgeries. Enjoy that trip to the beach where you're just looking out the window because you can't go anywhere. Yeah. Here you go. With liability now behind them, the day the class action lawsuit was settled, American home product stock rose 7.8%. Jesus. Hey, hey, we're moving on now. This is good. As of 2017, there were still new claims of injury being filed and paid from the settlement. For those who were actually injured by their use of FenFen, any money they received couldn't buy away the lasting damage done to their heart and lungs by the drug. One woman, and again, it's important to remember that nearly all victims were women, was a woman named Phyllis Hardy who developed a leaky heart valve from taking FenFen and nearly two decades later was still on a plethora of medications to treat her corresponding symptoms. She received $326,000 in the class action settlement. She said, quote, when you're fat, you just want to lose weight. I haven't sure. been right since. Yeah. End quote. Mm. And that, my friends, I almost said that my stories again. <laughs> that, my friends, was a story. It is your second beer, though. It is. <laughs> was the story of Fen Fen. That's fucked up. I feel like this is the next Wondry podcast. I'm waiting for someone to do an amazing like, I, well, I never thought series on FanFan. Pills are never something I've ever been into. And I've, I've never really taken pills with any consistency in my entire life, like, at all. It's just not something that's Had ever really been Had you really never heard of FanFan, though? Well, when you started to get into it, yes. Okay. But it's, it's just not something I've ever paid attention well, to. I, I don't know. I was literally like a child, and I remember hearing about this. I remember this. nothing I wasn't about that. taking pills when no. I was a child, but... I was uh, taking other things. But anyway. I was not. <laughs> I waited until I was 25. Like, Thank you very much. But I never thought... Um, I never thought to do like an episode because this isn't the only pill. Oh no! That's been out there that's <laughs> fucked people up. No, 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 no. In fact, so one I never... of our listeners suggested there is a story of a polio vaccine that went horribly Ooh. wrong. I have to look at. Well, that one. I mean, we did thalidomide. That... We did. We did do thalidomide. Right. That's kind of like the number one medical fuck sure. up. Um, or drug fuck up, like prescription drug fuck was up. The, I can't remember. Was th- 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 uh, thalidomide. thalidomide. 
came in pill form? Am I remembering that correctly? Yeah, it was a medication. Okay, yeah. all right. I don't think it was an injection. I do believe it was a pill. Okay. But at any rate. I don't... That was literally like a It was a medication. Fifth episode. I know. <laughs> it's like three years ago. Yeah. But, um... People were still filing fen I mean, and I guess the, the number one pill that comes to my mind that just did a number on people is uh, OxyContin. Yes, but that was for very different reasons. It was the dependency issue. Oh, I know, no, I know. But which I'm, just I'm talking not about, yeah. going to like um, minimize or anything right. like that. This is a physical but no. damage oh, issue. Oh, Oxy did that too. Like, big time. It wasn't just... Like, what What specifically does it do? Oxycontin? Like, to what physical part of the body oh, is geez, it damaged? I don't, I don't know all that shit. Okay. I, just, I just know it fucked people up. Well, okay. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That, and that they were giving it to people... Like, it's a pain medic. It's a... Oh, of course, yes. But they were giving it to people who had, like, you know, who would get, like, stitches. Just minor shit that, you know well, what you I know mean? Well, you know what's funny? Um... I remember when I had, I think, I'm trying to think of the times that I have been prescribed, like, major pain medication. I am extremely lucky to be somebody who does not suffer from chronic pain. So, it's for me, it's typically been, like, um, I in fact, I think maybe the only time was when I had my wisdom teeth out. And I was, like, 19. Mm-hmm. And they gave me, like, Vicodin or something. Obviously, I was on shit when they actually took my teeth out, but then they gave me a few pills, like, for the pain later. And I very specifically didn't take them. I mean, I grew up in, like, a very no-drugs household. Um, But I always knew, and I guess it was because of when I grew up, that pill dependency was a very real thing. So I was very hesitant and still am, frankly, to use any sort of pain medication. Yeah, and that's one of the worst dependencies you could ever have because at some point in your life, if you Everyone's live long enough, gonna you're going to have to pain. take a pill. You're going to have for surgery something. or, or a, just, a, an injury or chronic yeah. pain issue. And, and that's that's the problem. Yeah, that is a whole other episode um, on Oxy and other... Um, uh, not narcotics. They're not narcotics. They're uh, opioids. Opioids. Oh yeah. You became a Canadian opioids. all of a sudden. Oh yeah. Opioids. You've been watching too much letter canning. I guess we only watched like two episodes. <laughs> <I know. laughs> um but I think part of what like drew me to this story, other than just it, I find this all fascinating and how how the FDA was just swayed by, hey, it's worse to be fat than to have heart valve damage. Yeah, it's just like it doesn't take much to fucking sway these people. No, granted, They're but like, it's just I I do think it all speaks very much to how how much we think that being fat is a problem, and the problem is why we think it's a problem. We pretend that it's because, oh, it's a health issue, it's a health issue. No, people are just pretty fucking prejudiced against fat people because of appearance and the fact that they're fat, and that's really shitty. Um, But anyway, like I said, I wasn't going to get too far into that, but I just thought that was a really fascinating story. Yeah, I knew, like like I said, that I I knew nothing about... I don't remember any of that. That's really, so really funny. Don't. Well, you were using too much weed back then. Yeah, that's right. That's the moral of the story. Stick with weed, kids. <laughs> oh. So that was my story. Yeah. I did the research. Yes, you did. I have not done research myself in a while, so maybe we'll, maybe we'll get back into that. <laughs> I'm not going to hold my breath on that one. No. And, and, and you shouldn't. 
And we still have plenty of listener research that we can and will get to. Yes, we definitely will. Thank you very much for that. I guess around July 15th, we're going to be using it again because this is the tax season that never ends. Well, it goes on. You know that song, right? I do. You just wrote it. I don't know. The song that never ends? But you said the tax season that never ends. I know. I was joking. Do you know the song that never ends? I guess not. I guess I don't know anything this we're talking about tonight. This is a song tonight. that never ends. Well, it goes I, on and on. It's like okay. a Barney song or something. That's probably why Anyway, I don't it's know. one of those, oh, the Cortican Chronicus is just passing by. I it's like one of those that songs that's meant to teach children to sing to their parents to get it in their parents' head and annoy the shit out of them. Hit me up, guys, if either any, anybody knows those, either of those songs. We had such completely different childhoods. Well, I mean, you're almost a decade older than I am, not so even, we're, not, we're not practically even no. different, separate generations. I'm, I'm less than almost a decade. Thank no, you. you're pr- you're no. closer to, uh, to closer to a decade than half a decade. I disagree. I don't like the math. <laughs> and, and because we live in a world where you can create your own reality, I do not accept that. <laughs> My reality rejects your reality. <laughs> So, before we go off on another tangent, uh, that was the story of Fen-Fen, and this has been another episode of All Bad Things. I'm David. I'm Rachel. We'll see you next week.